Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Farrah Petsky and I serve as the youth pastor here and I'm super excited to be able to preach here this morning and to open up the word of God with you. Um, so we are so glad that you're here this morning. We're gonna be talking about the importance of a name, that there's great power in a name. And we would all agree that names are pretty important, right? Whether we're naming a pet or a baby or whatever it is that we're naming, we want to find the perfect name. So we'll consult internet resources, friends, books, whatever it is, so we can find the perfect name. So I decided to look on the internet and to find the top five names for both boys and girls in the year of 2023, okay? Are you ready for this? So for boys, the top five names are Noah, Liam, Oliver, Mateo, and Elijah. But for girls, the top five names are Olivia, Emma, Amelia, Sophia, and Charlotte. So you may find your name on that list. It's a very popular name for the year of 2023. Um, but we know that names are really important. And I can think back in my own life at a moment when I realized the power behind a name. And so one, um, one day, my now husband and I, we were walking um, on the beach. And so we went to dinner first at a Mexican restaurant, which is my favorite kind of restaurant. And then we went to the beach to go watch the sunset, which is something that we often did when we were dating. And so we get out to the boardwalk and I put my shoes there and now we're going to look at the water. And he says, hey, let me carry your shoes. And I'm like, what? Okay, great. I mean, find you a guy that's gonna carry your shoes on the beach, right? It was amazing. So he grabs my shoes and we walk and then we go and we look at the sunset and it's beautiful. And we're like, wow, what a great day. We ate a lot of Mexican food. It was fantastic. And now here we are looking at the amazing sunset. So then he decides to, to turn to someone and say, hey, do you mind taking a picture for us? At that point, you could have knocked me over with a feather because I could not believe that he was gonna ask someone to take our picture. Usually I'm the picture person that's like, we need 4,000 pictures. But that day, he was the guy, he was, gonna take a, he was gonna ask someone to take our picture. So sure enough, they take our picture and it was great. And then all of a sudden, he gets down on one knee, pulls out a ring and says, Farah, Olivia, care me, will you marry me? So it was a great moment. It was a great day. It was an exciting day. And I realized that there's great power. Oh yeah, there's a picture, right? I mean, this is better than Hallmark. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> so there's power in a name, right? In that moment, what that represented was love, a commitment, a covenant between us and the Lord. Names are pretty significant. But have you ever noticed that there's a ton of names in the Bible? And many of, the, many of those names may be hard to pronounce or they may sound kind of funny, um, but there's a lot of names in the Bible. And sometimes we're blessed to see the genealogies and to see how these names fit together. But the Bible often attributes great significance behind the meaning of people's names. So for example, Moses, the name Moses is derived from the Hebrew word, which means to draw out or to more specifically to draw out of water. Well, this is very fitting because Moses was drawn out of the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. But what about if we go into the New Testament? Peter, the name Peter is derived from the Greek word, which means rock or stone. This is also very fitting because in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Or what about the name Joshua? Let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at the Hebrew again. The name Joshua is derived from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means God is deliverance. And Joshua was the Israelite leader who led people into the promised land. So obviously there's great significance behind these people's names. 
But have you ever considered the significance behind the name of Jesus? You know, in the Bible, Jesus is often referred to as many different things, but Isaiah the prophet gives us a glimpse into four names. And these names are really significant because they point to both the deity of Jesus, meaning Jesus is God. John chapter one tells us that, that Jesus is God. Jesus isn't a lesser God or half of God, but Jesus is God. But it also points us to the humanity of Christ, that Jesus was a man, that he knows what it's like to be hungry and tired, to feel lonely, to weep, to be sad. Jesus understands these emotions. And this points us to the beautiful picture of the incarnation, right? That God would become flesh and make his dwelling among us. And so this morning, I'm gonna invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And as you do, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of context here so you understand what we're reading. Um, the name Isaiah means salvation of the Lord. And this was a key theme in the book of Isaiah. There are five different acts of deliverance that God would perform in this book. And Isaiah was a man who was called to ministry. He was called to ministry in the year that King Uzziah died. And he was a man who was in touch with God. And he sought to bring the nation back to the Lord. The first six chapters in the book of Isaiah recount the personal sins of the people. Can you imagine that? Like your sins are just right here. They recount the personal sins of the people. And Isaiah is warning that judgment is coming. And he pleads for the people to repent. But even in the midst of judgment and hardship and difficulty, Isaiah chapter nine serves as a glimpse of hope pointing to the Messiah. So Isaiah chapter nine, verses six, six and seven says this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Point number one is this. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Counselors are ordinary people. They give advice, they give wisdom, they direct and lead people. Many of you, you probably serve as counselors for other people in this room. People look to you for your guidance, for your leadership, for your thoughts and opinions when they're trying to make key decisions in their life. So counselors are very important. But the word wonderful in front of counselor changes the meaning of it. It's not just a form of flattery, but it comes from the root word for miracle. And it's often used in relation to God's acts of judgment and redemption. It expresses actions that are beyond the bounds of human powers and expectations. So counselor is a term that we can all understand. But when you put wonderful in front of it, it points to the divinity of Christ, that Jesus is God. The one who can do exceedingly more than all we can ask or imagine. In my life, there's been a lot of times that I've been in need of a wonderful counselor. And in 2017, I graduated from college. And in January of that year, I was looking for um, where I was gonna serve. I had been interviewing at different churches and really was trying to discern what the Lord may be calling me to. And so it came down to these two churches. One church was in Enterprise, Alabama, which was two hours and 47 minutes from my house. And the other one was in Coleman, Alabama, which was 45 minutes from my house. The church in Enterprise had five to 10 students. 
The church in Coleman had 30 to 40 students. The church in Enterprise paid a little bit of money and the church in Coleman paid a little bit more money. And so I began to wrestle with, well, what is the Lord calling me to? And so I talked to my parents, I talked to my friends, I talked to a professor from school and was trying to discern what God is calling me to. And the crazy thing is, I felt like everyone wanted me to go to Coleman. They wanted me to take the bigger church with more money and all the things. But I really did not feel like that's where the Lord was calling me. And so in that moment, I was in need of a wonderful counselor. And after a lot of seeking and and trusting and praying, the Lord led me to Enterprise Alabama, where I got to serve there for two years. And it was an incredible opportunity. You see, we all need a wonderful counselor who will lead us, guide us, and show us where to go. Point number two is this, Jesus reveals our mighty God. The word mighty connotates great strength and power. It's really a military term that was often used in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as a warrior and his people are referred to as troops. And when we think of the word mighty, we might think of a professional athlete, maybe an Olympian. You might think of a bodybuilder. Maybe you think of yourself, I don't know. Um, but, But we understand the word mighty. Well, um, I would not go as far as saying that I'm mighty. I might say that I'm strong, or I like to believe that I'm strong. And um, this past summer, we went to Ecuador, and it was an incredible time to, um, to get to serve there and to get to meet people there and, and help grow this church. And the first year that I went to Ecuador, I had raced uh, the missionary up this giant hill, and I won. And so people were like, oh, my gosh, you can actually run. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. It's cool, isn't it? Um, and so this past year, his daughter was like, you, I've got to race you. I mean, I can beat you. I know I can. We got to race. And I'm like, really? So anyway, <clears throat> she would not let it go. I mean, every time I'd ever take one step, she's like, all right, are you ready to race? Are you ready to race? And I'm like, give me a minute. I got to breathe. Okay. Now let me set the scene here. Okay. Cause this is very important. Okay. So number one, we were in Ecuador and we're at, um, we're at this church that's like 10,000 feet above sea level. So that's pretty high. Okay. A lot of people couldn't breathe. Um, but I was breathing. Okay. And when I got to Ecuador, I realized that my shoes were too small. I don't know how that happened, but sure enough, they shrunk, I don't know, in the plane or something. So that week I had to borrow Cameron's shoes. So Cameron came in clutch. She gave me her shoes for that week. It was amazing. Um, also, I was wearing jeans, okay? Um, so here I am, jeans, Cameron shoes, 10,000 feet above sea level. This little girl right here is 10 years old and she's been like doing stretching all morning long and she's wearing a sweatsuit and she's like, all right, are we ready to race now? And I'm like, finally, yes. Okay, let's just race. Let's just get it over with. So sure enough, here we are and we are um, about to go to the, the playground, which is even higher up the hill, okay? Where there's less oxygen up there too. And so, but we're here, okay? So we're here, plenty of oxygen, everything's okay. So this is a um, dirt road. Um, So just for perspective, I do run, but I don't ever run on dirt roads and I don't ever run in jeans or in Cameron shoes. Um, But this was the day I was gonna do all those things all at once. So here we are. And so we're getting ready to run and she just says go because you know she gets to make the rules and she screams go. So we go and I realized that first of all, like my foot just slipped. Like I didn't have any traction probably because I was in camera shoes, not my own shoes. They didn't fit right, but here I am. So finally I'm like, well, I got to win this race. So I can't, I got to go. Now, before I tell you what happens, uh, let me remind you that I do serve in student ministry. And one thing that I've learned is that you never, never let a student beat you ever. Okay. And that is worth taking notes on this morning. Okay. You can write that down. Don't ever let a student beat you because here's the thing. If they beat you, you'll never hear the end of it. It will define your whole entire ministry. But if you win, no one cares. It didn't happen. Okay. So 
something that I've learned. <clears throat> so here we go. We're racing. We're only racing like 10 yards. I mean, it's like barely anything. So we start running and now I finally caught up to her because I finally got my shoes going. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I think I got shot. And I'm like, but I can't lose. So I have to keep running. I finally cross the finish line. I look down to make sure I still have both of my legs and I do, but something bad just happened. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I mean, here I am. I've got to continue on. The mission shall go on and I, I need to continue on, but I think I've lost my leg. Well, long story short, uh, I tore my hamstring. Um, but let me tell you this, okay? I did, in fact, beat the 10-year-old girl, okay? So it was a great day, okay? But what I realized from that moment is that maybe I'm not as strong as I think I am, okay? But the point is, is that we're all really not as strong as we think we are. No matter how good we think we are, no matter how smart we think we are, no matter how schooled and educated we are in God's word, we don't have the power to save ourselves. We're all in need of a mighty God because there's only one God who has the power to save us. There's only one God who tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one God who gave his life so that we could have everlasting life with him. There's only one God who is strong enough to bear the punishment of our sin. And there's only one God who defeated anything and everything that could ever separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These two words together remind us of who God is. And the truth is, is that we're all in need of a mighty God because we're all sinners in need of a savior. And if we don't recognize the severity of our sin, we will never realize the need for a savior. Point number three is this. Jesus points us to our everlasting father. Father is a pretty common word. It connotates the relationship between a man and his child or children. But for some people, it's hard for them to view God as a father because they view him through the lens of their earthly father. And their father may have mistreated them, maybe abandoned them, maybe they disappointed them. And as a result, they don't want another father. And if that's you this morning, let me say, I can understand that. I can understand that. But for others of us, we've had the most amazing father, a father who's been present, who's been loving, who's been affectionate towards us. But no matter which category you fall in, there is no father like God. There's no father like the father that's described in the word of God, a father who will never leave you nor forsake you, a father who's given you everything you could ever need because he gave you himself. And God is our everlasting father. To be everlasting means to be eternal or unending. And there's not a single thing on this earth that is eternal. Not a single thing, no car, no house, no achievements, no job titles, every single thing on this earth will pass away. But God is eternal. He's always been and will always be. His character is unchanging. His love and affection towards you is real. He knits you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And his presence is gonna follow you all the days of your life. Throughout my time in ministry, I have lived in Enterprise, Alabama, which is two hours and 47 minutes from my home. I've lived in Albany, Georgia, which is four hours plus a time change away from my, my home. And I've lived here in Panama City Beach, which is four and a half hours away from my home. And let me tell you this, it's hard to move. 
It's hard to be away from people who you love and people who you trust and people who know you, right? It's hard to be away from family. But let me tell you this, in every single place that I have served in, God has given me family. In Enterprise, there's still people that I talk to today that are like family to me. In Albany, Georgia, the same thing is true. And here, there are too many people to recount because so many of you guys have been like family to me. And scripture says in Psalm 68, 6, that God sets the lonely in families. Isn't that the truth? No matter what your family situation looks like, we all need an everlasting father who will never leave us nor forsake us. Lastly, point number four is this. Jesus is our prince of peace. Prince is a common word which refers to a government official or ruler. And this is really expressing a type of royalty. And what we see in the Bible is that the kings really represented this type of royalty. And the kings were defined by their faithfulness to God. So for example, King Rehoboam, he was a king of Judah. He reigned 41 years, but he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Or King Abijah, king of Judah, he reigned three years. He committed all the sins his father had done before him and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. But King Asa came around. He was another king of Judah. He reigned 41 years and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he reigned 25 years. He also did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And then King Jehoram, king of Judah, he reigned eight years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. I can keep continuing if you like this part. Um, But the point is, is that Jesus is not a king like these kings, right? When these kings were ruling, the people experienced stability and peace for a period of time. But what you just saw and what I read was that there were bad kings, good kings, bad kings, good kings that just went over and over and over and over and over. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. These kings brought a temporary peace, but the peace that Jesus brings us is an eternal peace. And even in the midst of the instability and the busyness and the chaos, Jesus offers us a a peace which surpasses all understanding. A peace that can never be taken from us, a peace that reminds us that our future is secure. I can remember graduating from college and feeling a little bit like a disappointment. A lot of my friends had graduated. They were going on to pursue a master's degree. And I noticed that I had $17,000 worth of student debt and like $500 in a bank account. So I realized grad school was not really an option at that point. So I went on and started serving in ministry. And so I'm at Enterprise, I'm serving there. And I'm like, man, when am I ever gonna go, you know, get back to school? I mean, I'm gonna get older and older and older. I'm gonna be hundred years old before I go back to school. How's this gonna work? I probably won't even remember how to write a paper anymore. So I started looking at going back to school and then my job title changed and I went from being the youth pastor to being the minister of education. So I was in charge of babies through seniors in high school. I don't recommend it. It's a lot of work, okay? Um, So that was not an option. And then I moved to Albany, Georgia and I was serving a, a very large church with 40 to 50 students and we had four nights of programming a week and I could barely keep up with it and thought there's no way I can go to school. But then something happened and it's called COVID, right? And COVID changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And it changed the amount of work that I had. We were working from home, like many of you probably understand. Um, And it was very different. And so I began to pray, okay, Lord, what do I do with all this time? Like here I am at home, there's nothing to do. What do I do? And I felt like the Lord said to me, now, now. You've waited a long time, but now is the time. 
So sure enough, I applied to Asbury Theological Seminary and got accepted and started going to school September of 2020. And from that time on, my church job resumed back to normal. Then I had some really bad health issues and couldn't see out of my left eye. And then I resigned from that position. I didn't have a job for three months. And then I moved here and then I got engaged and then I got married and here I am now, okay? Lots of things have happened in that time. And I'm still in school, by the way. Um, But what I wanna tell you is that even in all of that transition, I still have peace about what God has called me to. So peace and easy don't always have to go together. You can still have peace in the midst when things are hard and difficult. And the truth is, is that we all need a Prince of Peace in a world that is everything but peaceful. So this morning, you may be wondering, what's the point? You said a lot of things in Hebrew and Greek and you are that much smarter, congratulations, okay? But what's the point? Why do we wanna learn all these names? Well, here's the point. The way that you view God is how you know him. Do you hear that? The way that you view God is how you know him. And if you don't have the right picture of God, it's hard to have the right relationship with God. You see, these are not just names, but these are names for you. Look back at Isaiah 9, verse six. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Notice the double emphasis on the us. Hear me this morning, you are included in the us. There's not a single person on the face of the planet that is excluded from the us. God does not make us work our way up to him, but he came down to us and for us. And the gospels reiterate this in Luke 2, 11. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, to you. You see, for the people living in Isaiah's time, knowing that judgment was coming, this was just a prophecy. Right from Isaiah's prophecy to the cry of a baby in a stable in Bethlehem was a 700 year period. So generation after generation after generation passed and never saw the fulfillment of this. And I'm sure they wondered, does God care? Does God hear me? Does God remember me? But guess what? The good news for us this morning is that this is not a prophecy. This is real life for us. That's right. We have the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace with us and for us. Amen. And that's the good news of Christmas. And so this morning, I just want you to think for a little bit. Just take some time and just think on what we've been talking about this morning. Are you in need of a wonderful counselor? Are you in need of someone to lead you, to guide you, to direct you? Maybe you're wondering, what is God's purpose for my life? The wonderful counselor is gonna show you that. Or maybe you're in need of a mighty God. Maybe you've been around church for a long time. You come every single Christmas, you're here every single week, but you've never made a personal decision to follow Jesus. Man, we wanna invite you to do that this morning. Or maybe you need an everlasting father. Maybe you need to know that there's a father who invites you to his table, that there's always a place for you at his table. And he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. Or maybe you need the Prince of Peace. Maybe you've been filled with anxiety and stress and pressure 
and you need the Prince of Peace. You see, what we learn from this is that Jesus is all things to us, all things. Everything that you could ever need is found in him. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. So I'm gonna invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Typically we at Woodlawn, we give people the opportunity to respond to what the Lord is doing in their life. And so today I wanna give you that opportunity. No one's looking around, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in your life. And so this morning, if you feel like today's the day of your salvation, that you need to know Jesus on a personal level, that you wanna say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. We wanna invite you to do that. Or maybe today you've realized that you've pursued a lot of other things in your life. And today you wanna return back to the Lord. If that's you this morning, either of those two situations, I wanna invite you just to raise your hand. There's nothing magical about raising your hand, but it's an opportunity to respond to what the Lord is doing. No one's looking around. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front, but if that's you, we wanna celebrate with you. Yeah. All right, you can put your hands down. You can open your eyes and look back up here. Hey, if that was you this morning, let me tell you that we wanna rejoice with you in that. That is why we do what we do because we love seeing people come to know Jesus and we have seen Jesus personally change our life and we know that he can personally change your life. And so if you made that decision this morning, we'd love for you to come talk to any of us on the stage. We'd love to have that conversation with you, but we wanna give you next steps and tools that you need to be able to pursue Jesus with all that you are. And so let's pray together this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you that you were good, that you were kind, that you were for us. And God, we thank you for making a way when there is no way. Lord, thank you for being all things to us. Thank you for being our wonderful counselor, Lord, showing us what to do, showing us where to go, giving us purpose and hope in this life. And thank you for being our mighty God, for saving us, for giving us eternal life with you. Lord, we rejoice that you've given us an earthly father. I mean, a heavenly father, Lord, a father that will never leave us nor forsake us, a father who reminds us that we have a place. And thank you for being our Prince of Peace. Lord, this world can be so stressful and so chaotic, but Lord, we know that in you, that there is peace, there's joy, there's hope, because everything that we could ever need is found in you. And so God, I pray that this Christmas looks different for many people, Lord. I pray that this Christmas, that people caught the glimpse of who you are, that maybe today was the day that their perception of you changed and they begin to see you rightfully as you are. And so God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to reign down here. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, that we would leave with more of your presence, Lord, that we would leave with more of you and that we would go home and tell people the good news of your saving grace. And so God, thank you for the meaning of Christmas. Thank you for giving us eternal life. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.